spent here last week just to bring you into the picture. God wants to have a relationship with each and every single one of us here. And he wants to have a relationship with all of us as a church, as a group. This relationship is called, uh, it's got a unique sort of weird name, it's called a covenant relationship. It means that two parties enter into this relationship based on some conditions. There are conditions for your relationship with God. There's really actually only one condition which he met and that is that your sin is atoned for. That your sin, my sin, the sin of every single human being who's ever lived except for the man Jesus Christ, is atoned for. And that you would believe in the atonement that God made. That's it. Believe in what God has done so that you may know him, so that you may be in a relationship with him, so that you may, from, from the point where you say, yes, I believe it, I, I, I want this relationship with this God who made me, that you are in a life-giving and living eternal relationship with the God who made you and that will change everything about you. It's an astounding relationship to have. And despite all the mystery, what should really strike us is just the lengths that God has gone through to have this relationship with you. That he would meet the conditions in our place. That he would make the atonement. That he would make the sacrifice in his own son who died and was raised to life. That we may be forgiven. Now, that's, the, that's the sort of a, an interesting starting point, you might say, for what I want us to talk about. Because last week and this week, we're talking about two things in the life of the church. They're called sacraments. It's a very churchy word we said last week, but it's a very basic word. Sacrament is a sign. Visible, concrete, physical thing that communicates to us something invisible about this relationship that God wants to have with you and me, right? Physical sign, you can see, you can touch, you can feel, that says something to us, something invisible, something that we can't see about this relationship that God wants to have with you and me. And God gave us two of these in the mouth of Jesus that he wants us to do. Last week we talked about the first one, it's called the Lord's Supper, it's where we do the bread and the, the grape juice thing and we said that that communicates to us that this is Jesus. This is, the, this is the sacrifice that God has made for the atonement of our sin. Every time we celebrate that, there's a number of things that it teaches us in a very, very powerful way. And so we unpack that, and this week we're talking about the second thing. The second sign, the second visible, physical thing that Jesus gives us, the sacrament, and, and here it is. This is it. <laughs> water, right? Baptism, that's, that's the other sign, the sacrament that we're given. Let me start with an illustration of what baptism is trying to teach us. There's so much I can say, but I want to keep it very simple this morning. What do you think is the ultimate sign these days of cleanliness? Water, yell out to me. You got it. This is it. This is it. If you 
there's, a, there's this the unwritten rule these days that if you want to be in my presence, oh, you got to clean up first. If you don't clean up, there's no us, you know. <laughs> you know how it works. It's sort of what we've become used to, isn't it? And it's a great illustration. I really think, I, who knows what Jesus would have given us in the modern day sign of, of this, but I think this would have probably come very close, you know, because, because yes, it, it, it says that unless I've sanitized and cleansed, I, I should not probably step into a proximity or a relationship with you, with you and you not with me. In some ways, you know, at a very basic level, this is what baptism is supposed to teach us about ourselves and about God. Uh, in our sinfulness, we're not fit for a relationship with God. You'll have nothing of it. He is entirely sinless. The Bible's term for that is holy. And it's such a great thing about God that he is just like that. Because you want a God like that. Any being less than that is not a God. There is any slightest moral deficiency about him. You don't want to have that being as a God. But such is the God of the Bible. The only problem is that we're not like that. <laughs> How do we enter a relationship with someone like that? You, you can't. You've got to be cleaned. You've got to be washed. Spiritually speaking. And again, this is where, this is where Jesus comes in. This is where the the crucifixion of Jesus comes in. This is a bit of a, perhaps if you're new to church, a bit of a awkward, gruesome metaphor, but, but Christians might throw around terms like, are you washed by the blood of Jesus? And it talks about the fact that if, if we put our faith that Jesus has died for the forgiveness of all your sins, you, you, you're washed, you, you're spiritually speaking clean, the it's, it's the sanitizer that goes on your heart, that goes on your soul, that makes you fit for a relationship with God. And in a nutshell, friends, that's baptism. That's, that's, what, that's what baptism kind of symbolizes. It's what it wants to teach us. It wants to teach, teach us that in the death and resurrection of Jesus and our faith in that, if those conditions, remember, are met, you're clean washed. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop sinning, but it means that when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus, who was spotlessly clean. You've traded places with him. And from that point on, you're not going to be sinless, but you're going to start sinning less and less and less, because in that relationship with God, God is going to start changing you, he's going to start empowering you, he's going to start transforming you to live the life that he always had in mind for you, right? That's what's going to happen from you, with you from that point on. And baptism marks that beginning, if you like. It's the visible sign, the physical thing that communicates to us the invisible thing that God has done in cleansing us, making us fit for a relationship with him. We get that from the Bible in this verse. Um, Benny, can you move me on maybe, mate? I think I'm going to have to rely on you. This is what... Zariah read to us this morning. He's talking to people who were baptized. Don't you know that if you're baptized into Christ Jesus, that's if you believe in him, you're baptized into his death. In a sense, you were buried with him through baptism into death. For the just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
in Jesus, you were cleaned. In a sense, your old self died. You were raised and you're living a new life. And your baptism is the symbol that seals this, that communicates this, that in a sense, it's not that that saves you, but it certainly is a sign, a visible sign that says, this is what's happened in me, right? The Heidelberg Catechism, it's a Bible study resource, it's very old, it says this, how does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it he gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity, in other words, all my sins. That's baptism. You know, I can say a lot more about it arguably, uh, in terms of theology and all that, but I want to keep it fairly short because I want us to move on to two questions that I think are perhaps more relevant for us this morning. Assuming we, we get this at a basic level, let me move to the next question. Who should get baptised? And we asked that question last week about the Lord's Supper when the bread and the juice goes around. Should you grab a piece? Is it for you? What about baptism? I'm going I'm to call at the end of this message, I'm going to extend an invitation this morning not to get baptised today but in about a month's time. When that extension or that invite gets extended, do you, is it for you? Is it for me? What should make me feel okay to say, yes, I want this baptism? Or what should say that, no, I should not? That's what I want to talk about now. I want to bring it a bit more closer to each and every one of us personally, if you like. Well, let me give you the basic answer. Should you get baptised or not? Do you understand that Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of your sin? Do you believe it? Do you want to be in a relationship with God? Do you want to know him? Do you want to be known by him? Do you want to be in this journey where in this living relationship you start finding in God all that you need and all that you are? If, if, if your answer to that is yes, I believe it, I want it, then yes, it's for you. It's as simple as that. It really is. Now you may say there's a lot of things that I don't still get about Christianity, about the Christian faith. There's a lot of things that I don't yet that I haven't yet figured out. Um, it's okay. Baptism is a starting point. It's not a destination. It's not like I've worked myself up and improved myself and done all the religious stuff that I can say I'm now at the point where I'm so perfect, I'm so well fine-tuned in my spiritual life that now is the time that I have earned the right to get baptised. It's not. No, not at all. Baptism is a start. It should be a serious start. 
Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying take it lightly. But I'm saying it's a start. You're going, oh, I want to know God. And I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm, I'm a sinful person. And I'm not as bad as this or that person. But I'm not good enough with this relationship with God. I know it. I need this washing and forgiveness. And I want it. I want to make a start. Then yes. Yes, it's for you. Okay? But now comes a real interesting question. Very interesting question. I was going to ask him to be my sermon prop, but I, I've got my nephew here today who's now fast asleep <laughs> during church. Yeah, can you believe that? Yes, about six months ago, I baptised him. <laughs> and you know what? This is a real strange sort of a thing. And you, you're in a church here, we're part of a church denomination called the Reformed Churches and like other denominations, Presbyterians and Anglicans and so forth, we, we would baptise babies. And the question then is raised there, well, I mean, you just told us, what do I need to know in order to receive this sign of baptism? I need to understand that I'm a sinner. I need to believe that Jesus died for the forgiveness of my sin. I need to desire and want this relationship with God. But how can a baby do those things? Of course, they can't. Why do you baptise them? Surely this is a huge problem or a huge challenge and I'll admit that it presents certainly as that. So what do we do it? Now I'm very conscious here. I don't want this issue to sort of overshadow this message. I'll explain it because I want it to be uh, understood. I don't expect full agreement on it. If you're new to church, Christians kind of take different views on this for good reasons. Uh, I think I'll clarify it and then simply move on to ask your response to the, not this issue, but to all of baptism. Okay? So come with me as I take you through a journey that I hope will be simple enough. The center point of, of the Christian story is the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you know, is the center point not just of the biblical story, it's the, he is the center point of human history. All things, you know, B.C., A.D., even your calendar is divided on this man Christ. This is a huge moment in human history. Certainly is for Christians. The Bible itself is kind of divided into these two parts. Before Jesus, you have what's called the New Testament, which literally means the, sorry, the Old Testament. Testament literally means covenant. This is sort of the way God related to people before Jesus. And then Jesus comes and you have the New Testament, the New Covenant, and this is how God relates to people. It's not that he changes or that they change, but something's really changed once Jesus comes, dies, and is raised. Before Jesus, God actually gives some signs as well, just like he does after Jesus. There are some significant signs or sacraments, if you like, before Jesus. Jesus comes, he dies, he's raised, and then the church in the New Testament have to kind of grapple with what do we do with the signs, <laughs> right? Some signs are discontinued. Sacrifices. 
I don't rock up to you with a goat on a Sunday morning and slaughter it here and burn it to, as a sign to remind you that your sin is forgiven by way of this sacrifice. Jesus was the last one, the full one, the complete one. We don't do it anymore. Lord's Supper has a historic connection to the Passover meal, Pathway Youth. You did all that on Monday night. In a wonderful way, Reggie took us through what the Passover was. That kind of lives on, but in a changed and improved form, the Lord's Supper. So it carries on after Jesus. But now we have baptism. Baptism now gets into a fix. An interesting fix, because you meet a man in the old covenant times. His name was Abraham. And God meets Abraham, he says to Abraham, Abraham, I want to be in a covenant relationship with you. I'm going to provide the atonement for your sin. You're going to believe it. He did believe it. And then he stepped into a relationship with God. All right? This is sort of what we read in the New Testament. It looks back onto Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, he's in a relationship with God. Abraham believed God, credited as righteousness. And then God gives this man, Abraham, a sign. Let me read that verse 11 with you, just the top part. Abraham, you are to go circumcision, undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. I'm not going to give you the all... I'm not going to illustrate circumcision to you. I'm not going to talk much about it. I'll I'll assume that you know what it is. But suffice it to say, it has everything to do with cleanliness, being clean enough for God. This is the sign. Abraham, if you believe in me, you've got a relationship with me, you observe the sign. That's how the logic goes. Now you'll go, okay, we get to the New Testament. Why should that change? Baptism is the new sign that replaces circumcision. Read Colossians with me. In Jesus, you were also circumcised by a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Baptism replaces circumcision, right? It's a much better sign. For one, it's, it's, it's a hugely improved sign. Usually the New Testament signs are better than the old ones. Thank goodness for that. For one, it's much more inclusive of women, right? It's much better, much more powerful. You could say, well, this, so what? Abraham believed He was in a relationship with God. He received a sign. It's no different to you or me. Still doesn't help me out with why we do baptism to babies. Except for this. This is the real problem. Genesis 17 verse 12. God says to Abraham, for the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old should also be circumcised. You have to put the sign on these children. And so we have this thousands of years where the covenant 
people of God with whom he's in a relationship with, they look at the babies that were born inside that community and they say, well, (laughs) we're going to put the sign of this covenant relationship on these babies. And you go, how does that work? How can they, why would God do that? Now let's be very clear, extremely clear. The assumption there is not that these babies are in a default, life-giving, living relationship with God. No. But they are in a very special place. They were born among the covenant community and people of God. Young people, if you are growing up in a Christian home, have you any idea how fortunate you are? Have you any idea how blessed you are? Have you any idea what a powerful thing is it that you are placed among people who God willing are the people who are holding out to you the fact that you can be in a relationship with God? You're in that community. If you, if you, if you come here on the bus, have you any idea what a great thing it is that God has done that for you, that he's put you in a community? He says they will hold out God to you. It's a huge thing. In fact, it's such a huge thing. I think for God, I can speak emphatically for the Old Testament that he says, you put my sign on these kids. That's how huge a thing it is. Now, make no mistake. They're not in a life-giving relationship with God until they're old enough to fulfill the conditions that I shared with you before. Until they understand that they too are sinful people that they too needed what God has done for them in Jesus, that they too personally need to respond to that and believe it. And if they don't, there's no relationship with God. None. It's kind of how it rolls in the Old Testament. But now we get to the cross. Now we get to the New Testament. (laughs) Now what? (laughs) Baptism is the new sign of cleanliness to be accepted by God, what do we do? The church asks itself, do we stop putting this sign of cleanliness on the kids? Do we carry on? You know what the New Testament tells us about what to do? Almost nothing. Almost nothing. (laughs) Just doesn't say much at all. People sort of put a whole heap of stuff into it, but, but it's really not there, right? There are two parts in the New Testament that might go there. One is Colossians that clearly links the two together, baptism and circumcision. And then there's another part in uh, Corinthians that talks about, this is interesting advice for people who are, you know, wife is a believer, husband is not, or the believer, uh, husband's a believer, the wife not, you know, what do we do with that in church, right? And Paul says, I'll just read it out, the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through, the, through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. And we kind of look at that, oh, that's great. So if I'm a believer but my husband's not, that's okay because he is kind of in a relationship with God through me. No, it's not what Paul's saying. He's an adult and he needs to respond to Jesus himself or herself. Paul's concern there is not actually the unbelieving partner. You know who his concern is in that? The kids. Listen to this. The next bit. Otherwise... Your children would be unclean, but as it is, 
they are holy. You know why they're holy? Because one believing parent is part of the covenant community and those kids belong to that parent so they belong to the community. It doesn't say we should baptise them, but I think it's a pretty strong clue to say that even there, even in the New Testament church, kids were part of the covenant community. It's unlikely, and it's not proof, but it's unlikely that a Jewish-driven New Testament church would not have placed the sign of the covenant on their kids. They most likely did, right? In fact, the church doesn't question this practice until 1,500 years after Jesus, seriously. Until then, it's just done. Maybe we should have expected a bit more controversy about it in the New Testament if it was a big deal. Assumption, but they probably just did it. Okay, so can I stop here and just say, is that, I'm not asking here to solve this. I'm just asking, is it clear enough how I explained it? Can you just give me a nod or a, or put your hand up and say, no, nah, it's not clear, can you? I'm really confused, or can you just go over it again? It's already late, but cool. I, this is why we do it. This is why we do it. Because we believe that kids are welcome. Kids not just welcome because they're nice, but because God said they're part of my people. Uh, the other side of that coin, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, is some people are saying, no, hang on a second, the improvement after Jesus with baptism is that only those who believe should get baptised, therefore just adults. That's a much cleaner church. It's a much more authentic church because otherwise you end up with a whole of people who are baptised as babies. They never go on to believe in God and you've got this real sort of devaluing of the sacrament of baptism. And it's a good argument. It's a very good argument. Many people here believe that. I encourage it. As a church, you do not need to believe in the practice of infant baptism to be a member or a part of the church here, purely because this issue is not that central to our faith. What's central to your faith is that whether you are baptised as a kid or not, that in God's good timing, you understand who Jesus is, you want to be in a relationship with God, and you have faith in what he's done for you. Whether you are baptised as a kid whether you choose to let your kids grow up and come to that point themselves, fine. <laughs> Go for it. There's no problem. <laughs> the minimum thing is we say, hey, God wants to have a relationship with us. We believe it. So, let me now move on and wrap this up. I want to get really practical. I want each and every one of us to respond to this message today one way or another. Leadership, eldership of Pathway to Life is inviting anyone who's interested in being baptised to talk to us. We are going to have some baptisms on Sunday the 28th of November. So that's in about five weeks' time. We will offer baptism to those who desire it, to those who seek it. The process is very simple. We ask that you talk to me 
We ask that you talk to a Christian friend who you know here who might talk with me or we ask that you talk to anyone who you trust in church and say, look, I think I, think I want to make this start. I think I'm keen to do this beginning with Jesus. I've been coming to church for a while or I'm new here. Come, we would love to come alongside you and make that start. What's going to happen is myself or someone who might just catch up with you and pray with you, talk with you, uh, listen to you, hear, hear your heart and why you want to make a start with Jesus and your journey up to this point. And, you know, then we're just going to do it on the 28th of November. What's going to happen on the 28th of November, just to sort of help you process that in your thinking? Well, at a very basic level, I'm going to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe Jesus needed to die for the forgiveness of your sin? If yes, we're going to baptise you. What does that look like? We give you two options. <laughs> two options. One is we'll do, there's different modes of baptism, how you can baptise people. One is sprinkling, we're a church, um, you know, and someone in church just takes a bit of water and say, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Alf told me this morning, he remembers his baptism because the water all ran into his eyes. And he was a baby <laughs> and he remembered it. Very vivid, and it's just a wonderful thing that even then you could remember it. But if you're an adult, you're welcome. We just do this. It's not, you know, you see pictures of baptism if you're new to church where people go under the water and out of it. Uh, that is another way of baptising people. God accepts both, accepts all of it. If you do want to get baptised with going under the water, we will do that for you on the 28th of November as well. Not here, because we don't have enough water, but we would gladly, gladly let you come to the service, answer the same questions as those who might want to get sprinkled. We'd love to surround you. We'd love to pray for you as your faith community. And then after the service, we'll pick a spot and we'll put you under the water there. It's a very powerful way of communicating this sign when you go under the water. It's a very vivid has this huge image of Romans that we read where we go under and we come out and you're totally washed. This, this all-encompassing, powerful sense of, you've, yeah, you've gone under. It, 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 it's not like you must do it that way, but it has that thing. So and we recognise that. For some people, that's a very precious thing that they want to do it that way. We'll do it for you. No problems. So talk to me. Talk to me about baptism, whether you want to get sprinkled, whether you want to go completely under. And then thirdly, talk to us as well for the 28th of November if you have been baptised as a child. And you're at the point where you say, this is mine. It's not mum's, it's not dad's. It's mine. The promise that God made to me in my baptism as a child I'm going to claim that for myself now. You know, the promise God makes in baptising a child is if you grow up and you believe in me, every blessing, every benefit is yours. Your sins are forgiven. You're in a relationship with me. Maybe you're 14, maybe you're 28, 21, but this is the point. We know. 
those promises you want to make your own. 28th of November is your day. Parents, talk to your children about this. Pathway Youth Leaders, we're working with our young people about this. If you're new to church and you have been baptised in another church way back when in your life, talk to us. If that's never been yours, talk to us. What's going to happen to you on that day is with the people who are getting baptised, just going to ask you the same questions. Do you believe in the promises that were extended to you in your baptism as a baby? Do you believe them? Yes? Let's pray for you. Okay? Is that clear enough? For those, go away and think about this and, and we deliberately allowed five weeks to, we're not going to rush into this. It's not impulse decisions. Pray about it, think about it. We'd love to then come alongside you. If you have been baptised or professed your faith, uh, yes, this is your moment to come alongside those whom God has, has called and drawn near and you are the community into which they are baptised. Okay, that's me. That's baptism. I look forward to ongoing conversations uh, over the next few weeks. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a clean, holy God. We wouldn't want to have you any other way. Because it means you are capable of being good. Unlike us. You are capable of being completely good. And thank you that you've made a way for us to know you as a completely good, completely holy God. Thank you that you gave us Jesus. Thank you that all you ask of us is to believe it. Believe what you've done. I pray for those here this morning who are in that position who are ready to make a start with you, already have made a start with you. And the next step is simply to receive this incredible sign that you've given us. Lord, will you give them the comfort, the security, the confidence to do it? Father, may they in it receive great assurance, great affirmation, that you know them, <laughs> that you love them, that you care for them, that you seek to journey with them through the whole of their lives. I pray that that would be the conclusions reached as we think about whether we should get baptised or not. I thank you, Father, for the number of people in this room who have received this sign, whether as babies or as adults. Thank you that you've made good for those who believed it, who've accepted it. Thank you for your faithfulness to them. Thank you that you walked with them. Lord God, I thank you for our children. Children born into your church. Thank you that you care for them so deeply, so powerfully. I pray for them, whether they are baptised or not, that you would walk with them that you would reveal yourself to them. That the power of your spirit would be enormously at work in them. I pray for us as your church. I pray for our parents. May we be a community who hold out the sweetness of a life with you to them in a powerful, beautiful and super attractive way. 
Forgive us for the ways in which we often fail. But help us. Help us as baptised people, children of yours, to lead our kids to Jesus in such a wonderful way. I pray for our pathway kids leaders. I pray for our pathway youth leaders. I thank you for them. I ask that you would fill them for their task, that you'd motivate them, that you'd inspire them, that you'd give them great love for the covenant children to whom they are holding out the gospel. I pray for our Christian schools, that you'd be powerfully at work in them and through them. I pray for all our schools, that the gospel will be present and you'd lead our kids to faith. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Thanks, music team. We're going to stand and sing together um, a song called This I Believe, which is a, a statement of what we believe. It's based on the Apostles' Creed. So um, let's stand and sing.
What a great song to finish with powerful words and the heart of what baptism is all about. So as we come to the end of our, our service, thank you for joining, for being part of God's church this morning, gathering together in his name. Thank you for the great teaching at and music team for leading us in worship. Um, continue the fellowship afterwards by staying for a drink and um, just chatting and hopefully encouraging one another. Um, those who want to give a free will offering, people have asked just for a reminder at the end of the service, the basket is down near the, the sound desk, so if you wish to contribute to the work of the church, you may do that. Um, yeah, if you'd like to uh, start the conversation about Ed's invitation or if you'd like prayer for anything, uh, Ed's available, I'll be up here as well. Or if there's someone else that you feel comfortable talking with, uh, please do that. So as we finish our service, our worship should not finish here. Our whole lives should be an act of worship and service to God our Heavenly Father. He desires to minister to us and through us in every aspect of our life. Remember, we can be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. So people of hope and peace, go into the world, bring God's healing, love to all whom you meet, help with ministries which promote justice and compassion. In Jesus' name, go. Amen. All right, have a good week. Yeah, that's it with that one here. Yeah, lots of new places.